It's Cofield and Company on the road. Right now, you got to do that sometimes. Huh? Got to hustle. As I just waste 10 more seconds. No. No, <laughs> there should be requirements to buy these things. Pay attention, young man, okay? There's a method to the madness. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. It's Cofield and Company on the road. The D is the location, Bar Canada. We're going to be out here on Mondays. A lot of Monday games coming up for VGK, so we'll uh, we'll get into the Golden Knights. Make sure you, uh, after the show, you listen to Adam Hill and JVT on Mondays on Smarter Than You, our podcast. Very nice, very nice. But Bar Canada is the location. It's the D on a Monday. We're getting ready for a Golden Knights game tonight. We'll get into uh, some of the storylines around the game in just a bit. But uh, today, big day of National Football League, big day of bracket breakdown, and man, am I mad. Man, am I mad. That's coming up in in five minutes. Adam Hill is here. Angel's helping out as well. Come on down, second floor, Bar Canada. Boy, this, cha- this place has changed over the years. I was just thinking back to the uh, Fitz days when you would come upstairs. I actually worked yeah. at a sports book up here way back when for Leroy's, I think. And um, it was getting a bit dilapidated back in the old days. And everyone knows what Derek Stevens done down here. And uh, this is just another addition. Very cool sports bar, hockey bar, lots of cool drink specials. So a lot of good stuff to get into. I was trying to analyze, like, this wasn't even here, right? Like, this was a showroom. Yeah. Because I, I don't remember this upstairs being that big. And when you talk about the old sports book, it was on the opposite side wall, right, when you come up the escalator. Yeah, it was right up front. like a whole... Huge thing. This is a nice bar and nice sports yeah. book. It's great. And they moved the sports book down, you know, a few hundred feet. So you got a little bigger sports book, more windows. So very cool circus sports book here and Bar Canada. And we're getting ready for the Golden Knights game tonight. Seven o'clock with the puck drop. So big NFL news of the day. Uh, one, boy, all that stuff about Tampa Bay. They're going to have to make a decision. Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett. You can't franchise both guys. Well, they're going to have to let one of those guys go. Well, Partly because Tom Brady renegotiated his contract last week to uh, you know play until he's 49 years old. We'll see what happens with that. But a four-year extension, that freed up like $17 million, $19 million, whatever it is. I can't keep each of these uh, teams straight with all the quarterbacks renegotiating. But uh, Shaq Barrett in the fold. He stays around. Bonus of, uh, what, $36 million, four-year, $72 million deal for one of the better Rushers in the National Football League. Yeah, base value 17 a year. Gets a little bonus based on 15 sacks and making the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. 36 million guaranteed. But uh, the Buccaneers are far from falling apart. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, I, I think one of the things that happened with this team, and, and you mentioned some of the guys that they had that were free agents, and everybody's like, well, they can't do that. Well, I think people weren't paying attention. They also did have cap room. It's not like they were right up against the cap and they had to renegotiate to get a little bit of space. They had room. It was just a matter of, you know, being able to sign these guys and, you know, could they make any any outside signings, any improvements, uh, and that might be an issue. But as far as getting all their guys under contract, uh, they were going to be able to do that. And then obviously the renegotiation with Brady helped as well. And you know, why wouldn't he do that at this point? He's got enough money. It's just about. You know, trying to you know trying to get as many players as he can around him to continue to win championships, and you know that's what he did, and that's what 
you know, that's kind of what it takes in the NFL. Like, these massive quarterback contracts don't really cut it. And, you know, guys have to renegotiate. We saw Mahomes renegotiate last week. Like, that, that has to happen. You can't, you know, every time we talk about these big signings and people look at us and say, well, you, what are you going to do, not sign a quarterback? Well, you need to sign a quarterback. You need to have a good quarterback. But if he's signing a ridiculous contract, that's hamstringing your team. It's kind of a necessity now, isn't it, for your quarterback to renegotiate in this year because the cap's going to go down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this year in particular where, you know, we've talked about this uh, so many times, but this year the cap is a disaster for teams that expected it. You know, if you're thinking planning two years ahead, two years ago you thought the cap this year would be like 215, 220 instead of 282. And so uh, it's a totally different world, and, and teams have to redo a whole lot of things in order to make it work for this year. But you're seeing it all over the league, too, of you know guys taking contracts or renegotiating contracts that are giving them almost nothing for this season, and then they're going to make their money down the road. Uh, but you better get that guaranteed because you know how teams operate, and it'll be like, all right, yeah, you'll, you'll do something for us here. Okay, cool. Next year, will, will we do it for you? No. No, we won't. We'll talk a little later about Derek Carr and efforts to extend him, maybe – renegotiate something because I'm sure the Raiders who have cleared a good amount of money would like to have even more money maybe for a guy like Kyle Long I don't think he'll be an expensive get but he is going to be sought after because I think most teams are looking at him like he's a bargain but if there are seven teams in for Kyle Long the son of Howie Long who walked away from the Bears a couple years ago well we'll see what the asking price is but he's in town he's visiting I just mentioned obviously you would think the Raiders have a slight advantage if they're in the same ballpark as some other teams because of Howie Long. Now, that said, as I mentioned, Kyle Long's got other suitors, including the Kansas City Chiefs, and if the money's equal, if you're coming back, I mean, dad and you know legacy play is one thing, but titles are another. So I wonder where this is going to go. Yeah, I mean, that, those are the, that's the pitches that they'll, they'll be make, that, that they will make, and the Raiders will say, hey, take less money to come here because you're dad. The Chiefs will say, take less money to come here because you can win a title. Uh, that, that's what you do. And then other teams will say, hey, we'll give you more money because we have more money, and there's really no connection or no tie or no reason to. But uh, that's the that's the pitches that will be made. And a guy like like him, I mean, yeah, he's he's probably going to be a bargain, as you said, but at the same time, like he doesn't have to take any deal. Like, he was retired already. He can just mm-hmm. say, all right, I'll stay retired. He's just kind of, you know, seeing seeing what the, what the market might be, and he's showing some interest in coming back. And uh, certainly he's a player that when he left was playing at a very high level so you don't know how much you know sitting out might have taken out of him but uh, I think teams are uh, definitely intrigued to get him in and see what see what goes on yeah there's certain things in the NFL I will not talk and that is specifics on a quarterback contract because I have no idea you know prime example Taysom Hill I don't know what jerkiness the Saints are playing <laughs> with there but something we can get to later um, I also really don't like talking about cap room because I think it's these guys are these capologists and the games you play around the NFL contracts are so next level. But just general ballpark, if we were to come up with a number, what do the Raiders have right now? Do you have any clue? $40 million. Okay. I'll go with it. You could have told me 45 52 yeah. 38 I, Well, that's that's assuming Mariota's gone. Right. So 30 Okay. So there you go. Because I saw, I saw a whole list before the weekend. It was like probably 11 of the teams, like, after this, after this, after this. like it was all contingent on right. some player going bye bye or someone coming in. So you think around forty million if Mariota is just cut? If he's gone, yeah. If it's thirty million right now, is there a difference between cutting Mariota and trading him? Oh, uh, cap wise, the gleam in the eye disappeared yeah. right there, folks. Again, I mean, you're right. I think the specifics <laughs> on all these deals are like uh, who knows? But yeah, it, it, it basically just get him off the books. Yeah. It'll be an extra ten million dollars and. They go from 30 to 40, which is 
pretty significant when you're trying to, you know, bring in a couple of guys and improve your team and improve your roster. And and right now, like the Raiders don't have an offensive line, so you can say like, oh, there's some there's some cap room there, sure, but you don't have a line, so there is going to be some money dedicated to that. So the brackets are out. This place is going to be a freaking madhouse. <laughs> Everything downtown, D circa. We're at the D right now at Bar Canada, one of their new bars that they opened uh, just a little while ago. I don't know why I went. I went with. I sounded like Barney on a bar stool. New bars. Um, <laughs> the brackets are out. We've been doing a show a long time. So I mean, me going back to like '96, right? In town, going back to like 2004. It was a staple. On Bracket Monday to come in and do what? Complain and Just lie and Just rip scream. the crap out of the selection committee. I thought they did a decent job. I got some issues. But you believe they did a pretty good job, and why? What are they doing now that we always screamed about, you know, they should be doing years ago? Well, I don't know. I don't know if they're coming right out and saying it. I don't know if it's officially part of the formula, but I did watch, you know, like every interview – uh, the committee guys were doing yesterday, and I picked up a couple of phrases where I was like, "Whoa, interesting." They used the phrase on a couple of occasions that they were weighing predictive measures into their seating. Predictive measures—that's the betting market. So, for how long have we said, "Hey, listen," like? People that set the numbers know the teams better than the committees do. They know what teams are better. Like, why don't they weigh those factors in? Why don't they look at the same kind of formulas that sportsbooks do and that oddsmakers do? That interview, those interviews told me that they are doing that now, that that is something that they're doing. And if you look around, and I haven't seen any uh, line movements today, so maybe it's changed. How often do we come in on the Monday after the committee comes out and they're like, and we're like, there's seven lower-seeded teams that are favored over higher-seeded teams. Right. It's every year. This year, was it zero? There might have been one yesterday, but I think it was like a one-point one line somewhere. I don't – I mean, Rutgers I was, over Clemson? Yeah, I was watching that one. I don't know where it is. It was it – Right went, now, it Rutgers was, is one. It, it was two and a half, then pick, then one. So so you got a 10 over seven. Yeah. Close. I mean, there's some 11s that are close to sixes, but I think that's more about public and who sure. they're going to play. Sure. Like but, Syracuse and, and San Diego State, it's interesting. So it wasn't perfect, but they're getting closer. And, and the even if it's subtle, the subtle acknowledgement that that should have been done before, I think was a good step in the right direction. And I think we're only going to see it get better and better. And I, I like that to me was like okay. And the you know the weird acknowledgement yesterday that that they only put UCLA and Michigan State together for ratings. Like wait what? And then try to bust out like oh joking joking. No, you're not. You're no, not. No, they weren't. Uh, but yeah, and I thought. I thought. I thought those two schools got jobbed a bit. I thought some teams got free passes into the tournament that they shouldn't, or actually into the field. So they don't have to play their way in like the teams on Thursday. It's Bar Canada, the D on a Monday. We're getting ready for a VGK game tonight. Come on down. We're going to give away T-shirts. We got qualifiers for a Vegas Golden Knights jersey as well. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
The NCAA tournament after a one-year hiatus is back and better than ever. Even if it was a season in which you paid less attention to college basketball than you usually do, that there was something about sitting there watching that selection special that felt like a big step back towards normalcy. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You feel like that? Yeah, I think so. And I kind of did fit that. I talked about that for a lot of the year, that this is by far the least I've watched and paid attention to college basketball, even though I still love it. And I still watch probably more than most people. I wasn't sitting around watching, like, tapes of games all night, every night. It was not because I was always so skeptical that this was actually going to happen. And I didn't want to get too excited about it and too into it. So um, I have, you know, my least... My least uh, investment, I guess, in, in terms of uh, how much time I spent this year on college basketball. But still, yesterday, as he as he was saying there, you know, all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is real. It's happening. Let's go. And there was a sense of normalcy about it. What header do you fall under? How do I need to move the show along today with Adam Hill? What's what's, what's worse, media who hasn't watched five minutes of college hoops all year, pretending to be interested in the NCAA tournament, or media who just won't cover it at all and just talk NFL free agency and LeBron? It kind of sounds like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Right. Well, I don't think I've won either one of those. I mean, I, sure you I, I definitely. You're ba- you barely watch college basketball okay. this year. Not barely. By, your, watched, by, by your standards. I still watch way too much. Way by your more standards. Than most. Yeah. Um, well, we opened mostly with NFL free agency, and then we went to college basketball, so I'm not really sure where we fall on that. That was, uh, that was JT the Brick complaining today about, I'm guessing, Colin. But I, I don't know about, you know, because like, like I said, you can't win. if you. Here's my thing. If you don't like, if you don't follow college basketball and you don't like it, why would you, like, come out gangbusters on it on Bracket Monday? We know you didn't watch it and you don't care. So I've never gotten mad at Colin for that. Like, he doesn't watch. And then he's going he's gonna to say stupid. He's, he's basically just going to lean on the names. Uh, maybe. I, I didn't hear a show today, so I'm not going to say what he did or what he didn't. But um, I think you do what you're good at. And if you follow college basketball, then you should probably – talk about it i'm i don't know i was i was listening to sirius xm today on the way in and uh um i almost called him billy packer mark packer was on he got a call about the indiana job being open and he was like blown away and nothing to say i'm like i to me that would be like that's the next topic after the ncaa tournament so but maybe he's not he doesn't cover the big 10 so maybe he's not into it i mean talk about what you're good at yeah i think the it is not even the people that haven't watched it at all is is like whatever like that's just what you are and that's what you do you don't care right I'm, I'm more annoyed, and I, there's a couple of shows in particular that I actually do kind of tune into that are watched college basketball all weekend this weekend for the first time. They were experts. And now there. are experts on everything. Like, what, what take did you hear that you were like, come on, man? Well, first of all, I, I did hear the, the uh, obsession with the Indiana job going to Parker Mosier. And I was like, okay. And I don't know who that is. <laughs> Um, but you, but he's like, I watched this team last week. They're great. They play great defense. I love them. You got to give Parker Moser the. I'm like, okay, well, that, that's fine. And it wasn't like a slip up because every, everybody's made those. I've made those. I make those once a week. Can about, you explain what you're talking about? Of, of you're talking about the Illinois Chicago coach, right? Yeah, I started looking up Parker Loyola, Moser. Loyola Chicago. What did I just say? Illinois Chicago. Illinois Chicago. Yeah. Loyola Chicago. Was so you did team. it right there. Yeah. Now I believe me, I did it. I did it all weekend. I'm losing it. I think I did an interview. With guys back in Boston, and I think I called Belichick Parcells like ten times before I was like, Belichick, Belichick. <laughs> yeah. So that the Illinois Chicago Loyola is a screw up. Parker, Parker Mosier's a little bit. That one's a little bit weird. 
So I guess it's Porter Moser, that, yeah. And then it's a uh, you know it's it's. Yeah, I think that really could just be a gaff. My thing is, if you like, I, I honestly I thought I thought Seth Davis came off as unprepared during the bracket release show. I I don't know, man. He's picking random elevens to pull off upsets. I thought he discounted the West a bunch by just assuming that Colorado sucks and is overrated. Um, but you know, hey, that's what makes this fun. Everyone, whether you're a college basketball expert or not, the brackets are not that hard. To pick, I'll just give you the on on snubs or I don't even think there were snubs as much. Like I was disappointed to see Colorado State and Boise State out of the field. Boise State played itself off the field by not achieving at the highest level in the tournament, but sure. they lost the Fresno game and that that cooked them. Colorado State I thought could be in. Um, I don't understand how Syracuse is not in a play-in spot. Um, Syracuse is a prime example of. The worst of the benefits that the, the Power Five conferences get, because you want to give credit to the Power Five conferences over the mid majors, right? So it's like, oh, they play the best teams. I mean, well, you know, what if so? You know, Loyola Chicago or Gonzaga played in a Power Five conference? I don't know. Syracuse went one and eight against Quad Ones. Right. You, you can't you can't be in and get the benefit and then suck and not beat anybody. They didn't beat anyone. <laughs> and the other thing is, I'm not saying. They have to do this, but I, to me, the, the I thought it was weird. Am I confused on Wichita? Did they win their conference? No, they won the regular season. Okay, but they didn't win the tournament. No, they were seventy-two in the net. Why are they in? And and on top of that, so I'm going to tie Bayheim together with Wichita, and they're two different cases. But good for Wichita, I guess that they finally, keyword is finally, got rid of Greg Marshall. I feel like you're rewarding them even though the program was crap and let their players be treated like ass for years. And with Beheim, could he be more of a sniveling puss all year long? Right. And you reward that. And, you know, in a way, I almost, like, I, I'm sure people are listening. They're like, oh, they don't take stuff like that into consideration. They don't, huh? Because um, I think, in a way, Beheim actually does some of the bidding for the NCAA by dumping on players, sure. transferring, dumping on players, leaving their team before the end of the season, and Jalen Johnson... So it's almost like, hey, thanks, buddy. Thanks for <laughs> stepping up for what we like. And I'll give you the other one. I I said it last week. If you're going to ding Villanova, and clearly they got dinged, right? They closed out three and four, but what they play? Their last three games without Colin Gillespie? They got hit because of an injury, bumped down to five, because at one point, hell, there were books in town that actually had them in the trio of teams you could bet against the field. It was Villanova, Gonzaga, and Baylor. So you clearly hit Villanova a little bit for a key injury. But Kansas and Virginia get no hit for COVID. We still don't know who's playing for Kansas. Now, what if I told you this weekend coming up? First of all, they gave him an extra day, yeah. which I think is real nice. They didn't have to do that, right? They don't play Friday. They play Saturday. What if I told you Kansas may not have their number two and three players? I would definitely probably take them down a notch. What if they were injured? They would go down a notch. Sure. They may have COVID. I, I actually, I think that, I know that, you know, these coaches want to, and, and listen, it's in their interest to hide who's who's COVID positive for scouting. Sure. Right? But there are teams sitting on the outside who are alternates who are going, I'd like that payday. I would have liked to have been in. You're, you're allowed to hide. Who tests positive because of what? Their their rights? I mean, Kansas, it's likely McCormack could be back, but he had it. So is he going to be 100%? 
And then their number three scorer probably has it. So number two and three players, they keep their seed at number three. All right. Well, it's completely inconsistent. And as you're pointing out, I mean, there's a lot of angles to that. But, I mean, if you're the conference, like the Mountain West could have got an extra team. So it affects UNLV. It affects the state of Nevada. Yep. Uh, the fact that, you know, that, that could have happened. And that's where I was going to with the, the teams that are just on the outside yeah. because this because of the, the whole COVID thing. And I'm not saying you have to penalize teams, you know, for getting COVID at the wrong time of the year, for having, a, you know, a, a COVID mini outbreak. But there is a lot of money at stake. Of course there is. And, by the way, it's, it's even the injury stuff is not consistent, right? So, as you mentioned, Villanova was headed toward what we thought was a, a one seed. Maybe then they dropped to two. Then Gillespie goes down. They lose two games without him. They're, they're 0-2. Without, he, he got hurt three games ago, but he played some in that game, and they won. Then they lost the two games that he didn't play in, so they get dinged. Listen, I'm a Michigan fan. Michigan without Isaiah Livers ain't a one seed. No. They're not. No. And we didn't know his status, right? He's got a foot injury. I don't think he's playing. He's in a walking boot right now. Yep. Like, I, I don't Probably out to at least the second weekend. And if he does, how effective can he be? That's not a one seed. And so, what, because it was maybe too late to consider it? Now they're like, oh, we'll just give him a one seed, I guess. Because it, it happened on Saturday? Then they're like, all right, I guess, well, we don't have much time to do this. Let's just keep him at a one. So you think, uh, what, Ohio State should have been a one instead? I mean, I think. Houston? <laughs> Houston yeah. in the net was right there. I would, Michigan's like a three or a four. Oh wow! And, and again, this is I'm saying without livers. Yeah. But we're but we're being inconsistent here. So like Villanova gets dinged and they can move down because they don't have Gillespie, and that's fine because then without Gillespie, they're not a they're not a top four seed. They're not very good. But then Michigan, without livers, who I don't I think is a huge downgrade. But they're like, oh, he, they're still one. He maybe he comes back at some point. Well, who? That's that's the arbitrary nature of this. So are we considering injuries or are we not? Like, are we considering COVID situations? Or are we not? Like, that—that's the problem that I have sometimes with the committee. And I said earlier, I gave them credit for being a little bit better about this, but that's the inconsistencies that are that are a problem. And so, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what their formula is for determining injuries or who might be out or who might not play or who could have COVID and who might not. And should we take that into consideration for this week? I, I, I don't know. They clearly took into consideration the teams that had issues in Virginia and Kansas and moved them to Saturday. And said, hey, you guys can have an extra day to try to get ready. Which also doesn't make a whole lot of sense because everything has to be done by Tuesday. Yep. So who cares if you have an extra day? <laughs> like, we're making a decision tomorrow. It's just a, it's a weird thing. The, all of this is weird. But, again, and, and I'll, also, I'll go back and now I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit and say all year what, what we've said is, hey, just make the most of it. Make the best of it. Figure out what you can, like, the best course of action and I think they are trying to make the best of this. So give them some credit for figuring it out and trying to move forward. And I, I, I really would be interested if a team does have, you know, a quote-unquote outbreak and maybe it's down to six players or five players and they have to go forward and play. And that's all, that's all they need, right? Yeah, five. five. Which so no, be, no one's going to drop out unless they unless the whole team gets hit. No, yeah. one, no one's dropping out. So Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there is an issue. Like, if there is a positive test, like today or tomorrow – and teams played on Sunday, I think contact tracing would keep them out for the first game, which would be kind of interesting. That's a good point. They don't have to be positive. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's one to monitor. But, yeah, I think as, uh, you know, I jumped on the uh, the Nico Medved call yesterday, and Nico Medved certainly was not saying, like, we're on the edge of our seat, just wait for that call. He was like, we're playing in the United. Right. Like, no, nobody's dropping out. <laughs> it's crazy. And not not yeah, going to happen. Yeah. 
Well, all week long we're going to be uh, continuing our path to the draft. We'll do that all the way up until the draft in late April. And uh, day-to-day we're going to talk uh, team-to-team from 32 on down. So up next are the Buffalo Bills. Uh Uh-oh. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Bills have a chance to take the lead. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Presented by Weed Sellers. WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Yeah, we count down to the draft. Bills are up next. Uh, just get a couple of free agent updates. These things are rolling now. Uh, Chargers bringing back uh, Davis at cornerback. Corey Lindsley added to the Chargers roster. New center from the Packers because they had so much trouble injury-wise, especially last year, with Pouncey and uh, Malik Collins. Bye-bye from the Raiders. God almighty, did we talk about Malik Collins a lot last August. <laughs> He's the key to the defense. He'll be going to the Texans. He's the key to their P- defense. P.J. Hall and Malik Collins now reunited. with the Texans. Yeah, reunited. Uh-oh, uh-oh. All right, well, busy day everywhere. We'll see what's going on in Bill's land, and we want to get a preview of the draft and free agencies. Sal Capaccio uh, works for WGR. He's on the sidelines during the games on radio. How you doing, Sal? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you coming in. So we got anything cooking so far with the Bills? Anything close in terms of free agency? No. I mean, really what the Bills did was they made all their moves over the last week or so. Um, They've kept their three prize free agents, and that is linebacker Matt Milano, offensive lineman John Feliciano, and offensive lineman Darrell Williams, their starting right tackle. Really, no one thought that they could keep all three. Everybody was bracing for them to lose at least one and possibly two. So I think they've done a very good job here you know, to maintain. This is a team that won 13 games, went to the AFC Championship game, and they're keeping the band together, basically. Well, you mentioned they thought they'd lose one of the three. How did they keep all three? Uh, You know, I think, first of all, there's a little bit of a down market, of course, this year, I think, across the league. Now, of course, we're seeing some guys get a bunch of money. That's going to happen. But because of the pandemic, the the revenue shortfalls, I think, you know, the middle class, the second tier is probably falling in a little bit lower than what people thought. Uh, Second part of it is, and believe it or not, guys, it's weird to say this, Buffalo's a good football destination now. Uh, you've seen the Bills now under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean make the playoffs three out of four years, go to the AFC Championship game. They have a young franchise quarterback. People want to be here. They, they talk all about you know the culture that's being built. They even signed, including they, they signed Micah Hyde to a contract extension, and he said he's telling everybody he can, you know, that this is a place that you want to be. And then I think what they did, too, was a little creative financing. Not that they're kicking the money down the road. They're not. Brandon Bean's done an excellent job of not doing that. Um, but he's basically structured contracts in a way that this particular year they're not having to absorb as much in the cap. It's really going to come in the next couple of years, basically, but still not going to cripple them. I think that's helped a lot. So how much does that change? You know, I know it's still down the road, but how much does that change potential draft strategy? Because, you know, when I was looking at doing a mock draft, I was looking at the Bills as linebacker or offensive line to replace those losses. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have those needs anymore. Yeah, you're right there. I think um, a lot of people were. Um, so I think you could scratch linebacker off that list. You know, edge rusher possibly uh, could still be in play, but I think the Bills want to go a little bit more big game hunting if they can. Now they can still restructure some deals. They typically don't like doing that uh, in Buffalo under Brandon Bean, but if they want to, they can to try and go after somebody in the free agent market. To get a pass rusher, an edge rusher at 30, probably not someone's going to make a big impact, as we know. Like It's just not a position that does that right away at that spot in the draft. Um, so, you know, but I would still say it could be on their radar. I think the two places to really look at the draft right now would be corner 
to have somebody opposite Tredavious White. They have such an excellent secondary. If you can get a rookie corner, a guy in a rookie contract, to pair with Tredavious White who just signed a contract extension, I think that would be a really great scenario. And the other one, I think it's sneaky. I mean, a lot of people aren't really thinking about, the Bills need to add speed on the offensive side. They have two good, good, I'd say not great, running backs in Devin Singletary and Zach Boss at rookie contracts. But if you can add a playmaker, even a guy like your Travis Etienne, I think, is really high in a lot of people's minds for the Bills if he's last to 30, to put the ball in his hands, that would be something to bridge the gap between them and the Chiefs. So I, I looked. I was just looking at uh, the one that I just uh, finished doing. I had them taking Jalen Phillips, an edge rusher from Miami, if he fell. He does have some, some questionable injury history, which could have him slide down the draft. If they could get a guy like that who could be a potential top half of the first-round guy that just falls, I mean, they are in a position where they could take a kind of a luxury pick, right, in the first round? Yeah, 100%. I think if a guy like that fell, I wouldn't be surprised. I just think that they'd like to get a little bit more now, like right now, immediate impact on the edge. But you're right. A guy like that falls. Brandon Bean's going to stick to his board. He does. He believes in the best player available. If you have a guy at 30 who he projected in the top 15 or even 20, I think he, he pulls that trigger, and he does it, and then he figures out another way. You know, they did that last year at the same position, basically, with A.J. Epinesa. A.J. Epinesa, some people had as going as a, a late first-round pick. The Bills didn't have a first-rounder. They traded it for Stephon Diggs. So they get him in the second round. He's still there. You know, he was 280 when he got drafted. The Bills asked him to lose weight. He got down to 260. Then he had the shortened season. He was really impacted, I think, A.J. Epinesa was. He started to come on at the end of the year. I think it's someone they think will take a step. But if they can add another edge rusher, a young guy, remember, they're two starting defensive ends. They're 33 and 34 years old, respectively, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. So that wouldn't be a bad pick at all. So we're, we're talking about what they could potentially do in the draft. There's still some time in free agency, not a whole lot of uh, room to maybe wiggle around and, and land a whole lot. But how does this team close the gap? We saw them have a great season, the, the excitement, the the you know enthusiasm around the Bills. But we did also see there is still a gap between them and the Chiefs. Do they just hope the Chiefs kind of take a step back? Or what is the hope for closing that gap? Well, I think that's a little bit of it, right? I think that, uh, you know, you see what the Chiefs have to do, and they're trying to make some moves. And granted, you know, they signed Tooney today, and that's a really nice move for them. But I think that's part of it. But the other thing is I think the Bills feel that, look, we, we were 45 minutes away from the Super Bowl last year. They were. They were leading the Chiefs at the end of the first quarter. I don't think they think they played their best football game on that day in Kansas City. I agree with that. The gap wasn't as large as it seemed, but there is still a gap. There's no doubt about that. And I think the way they feel they're going to do that is by being better at what they are, Be, you know, keeping this group together. Uh, you know, continuing that continuity. This is a good roster. It's a very good roster. So I think that's the case. But I do think along the way they're going to look to add some speed to the offense, and that's one thing they really need to do. Uh, they're going to, I think, look for a way somehow to try and add to, you know, getting more pressure up front. Now, remember, Starla Tulele was a really big loss for them as he opted out last year. He is a very big space-eating defensive tackle, and I think they really believe that that hurt their pass rush because no more they pass rushers than, you know, they, now they're getting double teamed instead of guys like Ed Oliver, who now have more room to move with Starla Tulele next to him because he's going to get double teamed in the run game so they can get some more pressure that way. So I think they're banking on a little bit of their own medicine, you know, being better, but also maybe closing that gap by the Chiefs having to deal with what they have to deal with. Covers the Bills, WGR, Bills sideline reporter Sal Capaccio is with Cofield and Company here in Vegas. I know Adam has said this, my partner, multiple times that, you know, one of the uh, biggest acquisitions of the offseason was just retaining Dable. Uh, you agree? Because, yeah. uh, hey, that quarterback OC relationship is kind of tricky at times. 100%. I'll tell you guys this. I think if, if the Bills had lost to the Baltimore Ravens in round two, 
Ryan Dable would have been named the head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I don't think the Chargers wanted to wait. I he was very much tied to that. He went to high school, actually, here in Buffalo with the Chargers uh, GM, Tom Telesco, and I think everybody felt he was going to get that job. He didn't because I don't think they wanted to wait. The owner said, hey, I'm not waiting another week, maybe even three weeks if they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, so they so they hired Staley. And look, maybe he, Brandon Staley may, may want to be a, a great coach for all we know, right? But, I mean, I do think that's the case, and yes, that is a great feather in the cap, especially because, let's think about this, Josh Allen, his growth, he was an MVP candidate last year. We know that. He's had one offensive coordinator since he's come in the league, Brian Dable. He's had, now he's had been, this is going to be his third year with QB coach Ken Dorsey. That stability has really allowed Josh Allen to flourish. So it's really a lot about Josh Allen being able to keep Brian Dable. And Josh Allen, to me, now there's no question about, is he going to take a step back? Can he do what he, of course he's going to continue on his path, I think, because simply they're going to be able to build on everything they have. Adam? You want to fire back? Adam Hill is a big detractor of Josh Allen, believe it or not. Adam, Adam was a not Bills now. fan. I said he had a great year. Well, I th- but I think at the end of the season, you still had the caveat that, hey, he had two not-so-great years, one great year. What's going to happen moving forward? Do you have confidence that he's going to be ascending, I, as Sal just said? I was completely convinced Dayball was gone. Okay. And I was worried. I, I definitely had some concerns of, like, what happens then All right. uh, with Josh Allen. But, yeah, I think, as, he, as Sal points out, the fact that there's still going to be stability in in the offense, like it would it would be, I mean, it would be a huge indictment if he does take a step back. Okay, absolutely, yeah, and 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 look, I mean, I think you know Josh Allen has certainly had his distractors since he's come in the league. We know that, um, you know, he's he's they've done it differently here in Buffalo with him than everybody else, and I think that's why he's had a lot of distractors. People did not see and then think that this could happen the way it happened. You know, Josh Allen because of the accuracy issues and things like that. The Bills had a plan when they drafted Josh Allen, and give him credit. They, they did not have chaos around him. It's not just this year, but you know he's had one offensive coordinator, like I said. He's now going to have the same uh, quarterback's coach. He's going to have the same offensive line. And the Bills said, we have a plan, and we're going to develop him. And you typically don't see that because once a guy isn't that good as rookie year, like Josh wasn't, you move on. Somebody moves on. Maybe the quarterback himself, maybe a head coach, maybe an OC. We saw what happened with Baker. You know, and we saw what happened with Sam Darnold. The Bills have done a great, great, great job with Josh Allen. Give him a lot of credit, too, of course. But I think that's why he's on this ascension. Is there – I mean, right now it seems like it's, it's certainly not a priority, especially with the cap where it is this year. But is there talks about the extension that will be pending, you know, in a year? Because yeah. he does – listen, teams get hamstrung by these deals all the time. And if he does, like, a Dak Prescott deal, that's, that's, a hamstring, that's hamstringing the organization – what is, what is kind of the, the talk of what is going to happen with that extension? Since Brandon Bean came to Buffalo, he has said, I hope I have to pay Josh Allen one day because that means he's good enough for me to pay him. Well, now he's in that spot. Uh, we had him on our radio station, WGR, Brandon Bean, uh, a month ago. We asked him, you know, will you be able to do it even this offseason? Because now he's in after his third year. He said yes. Despite all the challenges, we think we'll be able to do that. Here's what's going to happen with Josh Allen, I think, guys. They're going to exercise his fifth-year option, rightfully so, by May 3rd. For you know, two years down the road, and then before this season starts, I believe Josh Allen's going to sign a contract uh, extension. I think it's going to be north of forty million dollars, which is the going right now for quarterbacks like him, young franchise quarterbacks. And I think they're going to, though, however, they're going to structure it where he doesn't get a ton of money this year, and then most of it kicks in after that. There's absolutely talk it's going to happen. Uh, the question is when, but you're right. I mean, there's going to be a lot of challenges. We all know this. The, the window to win a championship is quarterbacks on a rookie contract. But everybody faces with it and faces this challenge. And I'll tell you this, give me a choice between having a franchise quarterback and having to pay him or not having a franchise quarterback and having money, you take the franchise quarterback because that's what wins in the NFL. Sal Capaccio is with us. This is real dangerous talk for 
Bills folks, but uh, will there be anyone in the division within two games this upcoming season of the Bills? That's a tough one. I think the Patriots might be, they'll close the gap. The Patriots had some nice signings today, but you see what's going on now. The Patriots are operating like the Bills did for so many years, which is, hey, we don't have the quarterback, so let's see what we can do around the roster and we have to overpay for people. they got good football players, but they're paying more than they ever have had to because they don't have the greatest quarterback of all time to cover up holes. But, you know, we'll see. Um, if they still have Cam Newton as a quarterback, I don't think they're within two games of the Bills. Um, maybe the Dolphins can get to – I think the Bills are still at least a 10-win team. Um, I would say probably at least an 11-win team, maybe 12. Do I see another team getting the 10? No, not right now, but tell me who the Patriots quarterback is, and I might change my mind. Are you happy to flip the page? Are you happy that Syracuse made the NCAA tournament? Of course I am, but I will tell you this, guys. I would not have complained if they didn't. I I think if you put yourself on the bubble, you have no one to blame but yourself. Unfortunately, though, I'll say I went there. I grew up a fan. I went there. I'm a big, big Syracuse basketball fan, and I'm just disappointed in the fact that we're on the bubble every year, to be honest with you. Like, this is not a a school that should be on the bubble every year. But they are. So, you know, that's, that's the life we've lived with. I'm excited. I'm happy. They're playing San Diego State. And once you get in, you never know what happens. Remember what happened, what, 2016? Mm-hmm. Nobody thought they deserved to go in. They did, and they made a run to the Final Four. Yeah, and that's why I asked an obvious question. Are you happy? I mean, yes, you're happy, but doesn't this just mean that Bayheim's around a little longer? <laughs> well, he's going to be around until Buddy graduates, at least. So I think we've all resigned to that fact. Um, I wouldn't mind new blood in the program. Um, I... You know, all respect to Jim Beheim. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, he's been a great coach. But I do think that you know it's probably time to get some new blood there, blood in there for recruiting. And you know, Jerry McNamara has done a good job, and Adrian Autry and Alan Griffin, all the recruiters. But I do think it's time for that. But he's going to be around until Buddy graduates. And Buddy, he's a junior, but he can actually stay for two more years with the new rules. And you know, Buddy's actually a pretty good ball player too. Ten years from now, are you going to look back at the Beheim run and say, you know what, this was a one-coach program? Uh, no, I, look, I think Jim Beheim, throughout his years, he's done a great job. I think he still should have probably gone to. You know, the, the book on Beheim is he's always done better with lesser talent, and he's always fallen short with more talent, which is kind of weird, right? We've seen that over the years. The Syracuse basketball should be a top ten program as far as how it's perceived. Not maybe not in the top ten rankings every single week, every single year, but that's how it should be. So I think you look about it ten years from now. I think they're going to be back up another level because I think that once Jim Beheim retires, they're going to have a lot of really, really good coaches who want that job. Do you have a guy in mind that you want? Well, I did have a guy. I don't think it's going to happen anymore, and that's Nate Oates at Alabama. And the reason I say it is because I got to cover Nate here in Buffalo when he was coaching the University of Buffalo, and now he's in Alabama. I don't know, you know how long he's going to be there because who knows? Maybe you know he says, I don't want to be second fiddle to – Nick Saban, I want to go somewhere else. I love NATO, so I'd, I'd love for that to happen. Um, you know, who knows? You know, a couple of years, anything can change. Usually, those young coaches, they come from somewhere in the, the MAC or something like that where, you know, there's these up and, up and coming guys. So I would have said, I, I would love to have a guy like NATO. I just don't know if, um, you know, because of the situation in Alabama, how great he's made that program in such a quick turnaround. I don't know if he's going to leave anytime soon. Last one Who should we bet in the San Diego State Syracuse matchup? What is the line? Two and a half. Last I saw, San Diego State favored. Uh, I know I actually bet San Diego State already at minus one and a half, but am I wrong? Who should we bet? It's three now. San Diego State is three. Uh, I would always say bet Syracuse early in the tournament. It doesn't mean they're always going to win, and the reason is because teams just don't know how to play against the zone. Um, now, they'll have, a few, they'll have days to prepare for it, but teams that don't see the zone 
they get they get frustrated by it. They think they know how to play it, and then it's something completely different than what they expect when they actually play it. That's a good point, Sal. We appreciate it. Long spot there. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Thank you. There he is, Sal Capaccio, who does sidelines for the uh, Bills on radio. Big star in Buffalo. He's on WGR. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll get into a little more NFL news as we're seeing a bunch of big stories drop. And uh, I do want to get on uh, the Sam Darnold story. There were some predictions over the weekend by one of the NFL Network guys that uh, he's going to be the next big quarterback move that comes down here around the National Football League. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Good Times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profits. Getting ready for the Golden Knights game tonight. Right here at Bar Canada. Inside the D. Adam Hill across the way. Cofield. Much to get to. A lot more uh, bracket breakdown. Adam will intro his final four at 525. So will Ari. Good time story. Seems like it's just about official. You trust this? We're good to go? Yeah. Just check my text. So, yes. Hello. Uh, Mike Mayock, Raiders GM, said, eh, day one, you're probably not going to hear from us. It's not going to be a lot of big splash moves. We're going to kind of lay low, you know, get get some bargains out there. I'm adding all that next stuff on there. But he did say day one might be a little bit quiet for the Raiders. No big splashes, and then all of a sudden a cannonball. Yes. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, it looks like, is signed. With the Las Vegas Raiders, so everyone's been, you know, rooting for that next Khalil Mack type edge guy. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of folks wanted the Raiders to trade for during last season. Went from what the Jags to the Vikings, was free, ain't free anymore, right? Jags, Vikings, Ravens. That's Ra- good. Good point. I forgot he went from the Vikings to the Ravens at the end. Four teams in seven months, lands with the Raiders. So don't give up any picks for him as they would have last year wait get him in free agency uh so you know you didn't get him for last year and he could have helped but you don't have to give up anything you just sign him in free agency and uh a good move for the Raiders should be clear agreement in place not signed you can't sign until Wednesday uh that's what that's what makes today so weird free agency has not begun in the NFL by the way and there's like a hundred signings today uh this is the (laughs) this is the legal tampering period as it's known right but everyone's announcing that they're they're signing deals, including the, the Patriots, getting uh, Smith, the tight end from Tennessee, the Chargers, add a new center, the Chiefs, add Joe Tooney from the Patriots. Pretty high number, too. Yeah. Uh, I think his whole deal was, was it five for 80? He's a guard. Five for 80. It's $37 with, this year. and then with, <laughs> No, no, he's uh, first two are absolutely guaranteed. Third year is pretty much guaranteed, so he's got... Looks like he's got $48 million guaranteed on a team that was, hey, they're going to be screwed. Chiefs are screwed. With Pat Mahomes, Chiefs are screwed. And they go out day one of the tampering period, not the official signing period, but uh, the announcement is they're going to be adding a guard. Patriots have sound like nine guys today. They're a whole new team now. Well, they had a lot of money. They, they did. And it's, they need to. Yeah. That was the, the sacrifice of last year. Yeah. 
of you know getting their cap situation under control so they could add a bunch of guys. And I don't think anybody's going to you know blow anyone away. But they're, the pieces they're adding are like okay, okay. They completely redid their defensive line. That's going to be um, you know potentially a a dominant unit. And now you're uh, you know adding a tight end. That's probably very helpful if Cam Newton is the starter. Uh, there's there's a lot that they're doing. It's Im- impressive moves by the Patriots. All right, so what do we think? Of Ngakwe to the Raiders. Do you need to see the terms first before you make a call? I mean, if it's yeah. you know if it's twenty seven million dollars a year, then maybe there's a problem. It's a not high. going to be. But he was hoping to make somewhere between seventeen and twenty three. He wanted to be, you know, a guy who was going to be in that franchise tag group. Oh, if it's close to the seventeen number, that's a that's a bargain, I think, for uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who not only. Uh, is a really, really good player, but certainly feels a, a glaring need uh, for this organization. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I think you have to see uh, exactly what the deal is, what it's for. But I, I think there's a lot of excitement from for the Raiders on, on landing a guy uh, like this who can you know greatly impact all of your positions. I mean, he makes the secondary better by getting to the quarterback and not letting them have time to sit back there and, and you know pick you apart. So... Uh, this is going to help everyone on the defense and everyone on the team. Really, uh, really good, really good signing for the Raiders. More on Ngakwe and that signing. More break it, uh, bracket breakdown, break it breakdown, uh, and also uh, what's going on tonight with the Golden Knights taking on the Sharks. This has been Good Times with Mr. Sunshine, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com.